0: And you see, it's about the conversion of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. You know the song and you know about this gentleman. Um, He was an IRS kind of fellow, a tax man. But he gets gloriously converted in this passage. And then in verse 10, we find out, why did Jesus come? Well, verse 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then we get down to where our text is tonight. Uh, This morning, this morning, in verse 13, is Jesus speaking? He's talking a a parable. He's giving a parable. Verse 13, Jesus said, He called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Say those four words, would you? Occupy till I come. Now say it like a preacher. Would you do that? Get that preacher's voice going. Here we go. Ready? Occupy till I come. That's what Jesus said. Occupy, it's translated to us in our English language here from the Greek word in the underlying text. It's a Greek word, pragma. Pragma and uh, you might think of the word pragmatic when you hear pragma. Pragmatic, practical. And it's the verbal tense. The pragma here is used in the verbal tense. It's the active tense. And we you've probably heard this. It essentially means do business. Keep your occupation going. Do business until I come. Now that is in essence exactly what we're trying to do here at Tabernacle Baptist Church with this thing called missions and everything actually we're doing. Everything we're trying to occupy till Jesus comes. Is that true? It is exactly what we're trying to do. We're trying to stay engaged. We're trying to keep our hands to the plow and not look back. We're trying to remain salt and light. We're we're trying to do all we can. Sing with me, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Yeah, we're gonna to try to let our light shine until Jesus comes. We're gonna actually try to occupy till Jesus comes. But do you know... There's an old saying, when all is said and done, more is said than done. <laughs> I hate that. I don't want us just talk about missions. I want us all to be engaged with the mission. I want us to find out what our part is, and I want us to get engaged with it. Occupy till I come. Now, I've got eight different businessmen that have asked me to coach them and their businesses. And the first one was 13 years ago. A fella called me, said, Brother Fox, he said, I, I've worked hard all my life. I'm 38 years old. I've just bought a business. He said, Brother Fox, I really don't know much about running a business, but Brother Fox would you help me I said yes I'll, I'll help you I said I know a little bit about finances and A little bit about business all that I said uh, I said, let's get, get started right now I said how much this business you bought How much did this business make Last year This was now 14 years ago He said well uh, $300,000 I said woo, that's good I said what was total revenue For the business He said um I said, oh, I think you misunderstand. When I said, uh, how much did it make, I really meant how much was the profit. I said, so let's start again. So revenue is $300,000. I said, what was the profit of this business? He said, I don't know. I said, oh, we've got to find that out. I said, because if you took in $300,000 but spent $400,000, you're in trouble. <laughs> that sounds like the federal government. Yes. Um, and that's another story. $31.1 trillion in debt is wrong. But let's move on. That's bad leadership. It sounds like a bad plan that's being implemented on our country. And thats Did you all know it's time to vote? This midterm election is very important. Is, is early voting already started? Uh, all right. I'll get back to my story here in a second. How many of you have already voted? Would you stand up? If you've already voted, stand up. Okay, got one here, got one there, got one here, got one there. Some of them take a while to remember it. Did I vote? Yeah. You only get to vote once, okay? Let's give them a hand. Good. You may be seated. <laughs> you got an ovation just for voting. Good. We expect 100% participation in this voting, and I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I'm going to tell you to vote according to the Bible. Amen. So... I said to the young man who had bought—he's 38 years old. He bought the business, three hundred thousand dollars. We we worked over books and so forth. The business had made thirty thousand dollars in profit, so he had about a ten percent margin on profit. Well, he's continued to work hard, and we've we've worked on his business plans and blah 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 blah. Last year they did thirty-eight million dollars. That's not bad. He himself made four point one million dollars. That's not bad either, that's $8,000 a week. That's not bad. Y'all feel sorry for him, don't you? Um, And he's bought three more businesses. In fact, he's just now started one or two more. I say one or two because I'm not sure if he's got that second one quite going yet or not but it's, it's all and he's a giver in the cause of Christ he's a strong Christian man I would coach all these businesses free I just say you've got to just keep giving in the cause of Christ I want you to make as much money as possible so you can give as much as possible there are some big businesses my pillow Mike Lindell anybody got one of those I do I like, I like Mike Lindell you may not like him I like him they did 67 million dollars in pillows last year and now he's got my slippers, my sheets, my towels, he's got my 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 everything, you know. And uh and I like him. He's a hard-working businessman. And um you know, you can go on. I was at a um I was at an event in Washington DC in May. I got invited as a special guest to this thing cuz it's $15,000 to attend this thing. 15,000. Boy, who, that's out of my price lag, you know. Wow, I mean, they did serve three meals, but that's $5,000 a meal. Wow, and it was good food. <laughs> I guarantee you that. But um, Vice President Pence was there, and a bunch of Congress folks were there, and a bunch of generals were there, and some businessmen. And so uh, during breaks, you know, uh, these businessmen were coming by and shaking my hand. I'm shaking their hand and all that stuff, and we're, we're getting to know each other in this room. and, and um oh. Everybody's exchanging business cards. So I was giving business cards out, you know? And then a guy came, and my friend, after I shook his hand and talked to he and his wife, they walked off, and my friend said, that guy, Byron, did you know who that guy was? I said, no, who is he? He told me his name. He said, that guy just did $1.6 billion in business last year. I said, whoa. I quit giving out my business cards. I started giving out my prayer cards, you know what I'm saying? I give it up to the next guy. He said, that's the biggest business card I've ever seen. I said, sir, I'm in big business. I was thinking about all that when I was coming to this text. The title of the sermon today is God's business is big business. I'm going to tell you, the biggest business in all the world, the best business in all the world is God's business. I'm glad for insurance companies. I'm glad for conglomerates of every sort. Uh, All honest uh, businesses. I'm for that. Farmers, all that. Manufacturing, corporate. I, I like all of it. But the best business in the whole world is the business our church is in. And that's God's business. And I've got four little points for you today. Number one, why do I say God's business is big business? Number one, Because of the partnership involved. Yeah, the partnership. You know, he had Sears and Roebuck and all these different partners. (laughs) I even watched a little special yesterday about Orville and Wilbur uh, Wright. You know, those guys that made that first plane, the first flight was only like 12 seconds long, you know, all that, but he got it all going. Uh, Orville and Wilbur and uh, Sears and Roebuck. and all, All these business partners. Well, wait a minute. In this arena, God's business Who's our partner? Well, turn back as fast as you can. Hold your place. Turn back as fast as you can to Mark chapter 16, the final verse of the book of Mark. Mark chapter 16 and verse 20. There's only 678 verses in Mark. It's a very brief book. But Mark chapter 16 and verse 20, the final verse of the book of Mark. Mark's my favorite. I like all the Bible, but my favorite in the whole Bible is the book of Mark. I love it. Mark 16 and verse 20 And they went forth, the disciples, they went forth, and it says this, and preached everywhere. And then these five incomparable words, it says, the Lord working with them. God is working in this passage. He's working with these disciples, these Christians who have gone out doing God's business God was in partnership with them. (laughs) They're partners with God. Oh, yes, this work that we're in, back to Luke chapter 19, Occupy Till I Come, God's business, biggest business in the whole world. Listen to this. If you're listening, say amen. Amen. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians, you're going to Luke 19, but 2 Corinthians, God hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath committed to us the ministry of reconciliation, namely to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us, me and you, we that are saved, the church hath committed unto us this word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Yes, we have a job. We have a work that we're doing. What is it? Trying to reconcile the whole world to God. Trying to get the gospel to the entire world, which includes every door in Hickory, North Carolina. I don't know who's gonna go to all the doors. As far as specifically, I don't know who it is, but I know we need to be the part that does it. I know our church needs to keep going. I know we need to keep witnessing to people. I, I just know that they need to hear more about the Lord. I got to a church up in Michigan. I'd never been to this church. <laughs> never been there. And um, I decided I just, I, my first day in town, I said, I'm just going to get some of their tracks. I'm going to go door knocking. And so I'm I'm out there in Michigan. I went down this one road by myself, knocking on doors. I got to this one door. Lady said, "I told you to never come to my house again." I said, "Well, ma'am, you didn't tell me that." She said, "I told your church that." I said, "Well, ma'am, I'm first day in town. I I I didn't know. I didn't know you had told the church to never." Ma'am, I'm sorry. I just I just (laughs) I guess that church has already been there to her house. What do you think? We need to keep going to their house until they just flat out say, don't ever come back. And then we pray for them when they say, never come back. We don't give up on them even then. I was out door knocking in in Suffolk, Virginia. We was having an evangelist meeting in Suffolk, trying to get everybody in Suffolk, the largest city land-wise in Virginia, Suffolk but it's a sparsely populated place for how big it is, 65,000 people, but they're all spread out. So we're we're going every place we can. I got down this one road. I had two of my preacher boys, Carrie and Chris, were with me, and I had them on one side of the road. I'm going down this other side. I went up to this one door. As I went up, the lady came out. I said, Ma'am, I'm with the God Bless America rally, and we're we're Woo! At that point, she let me have it. I mean, she cussed me good. I said, oh, ma'am, I'm so sorry. Please, ma'am, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I left. I went on down the street. Had to come back to the car to get some more supplies. She came out of her house again and cussed me again at my car over there. And right above her, house, right above her head at her house, it said, welcome. <laughs> I didn't feel all that welcome I've been praying for that lady. I don't know who she is. She wouldn't. It was was awful. In fact, that day, me and these two boys, we knocked on 135 doors that day, and we had the worst reception we've ever had. I mean, nobody wanted to say a kind word to us that day. I said to the boys, I said, Did y'all notice? He goes, Oh yeah. I said, Well, I couldn't tell. You boys went just as happy as you could on the other side of the streets. They were. They just they just kept going in faith, going to a next door, to the next door. And we had a terrible reception. Doesn't matter what kind of reception. We've got to keep going. Amen to that. All right, look. Ah, I got more time in the second service. You know what I'm saying? At first service, you have a cutoff time. You know, I, well, we got a cutoff time. We have to start at five for the next service. <laughs> no. Uh, let me tell you what happened this past week on Tuesday. On Tuesday at a patriotic event, one of my preacher friends was at it and he spoke a little bit. There's 25 people in attendance. And my preacher friend named John got up and he spoke. They had asked him, this little patriotic group said, we want you to come and speak to us. So he got up there and he talked to them about the Lord and about being engaged in the election and you know letting your light shine and blah, 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 blah. At the end of it, there's a white-haired man came to him. He is still so aggravated with how bad our country is that he's he's just fussing about everything. And while he's fussing and he's talking to the pastor, that had been a special guest there, he just lets curse words just fly out. My preacher friend said, you know what? It's Tuesday, but in two days, we've got this thing called a God and country rally that you ought to come to. You ought to come to this God and country rally. Well, I told you there's nine people saved this past Thursday at this God and country rally. He was the first guy to get saved. Amen. Amen. We've got to get people to Jesus. You want to change this country? Get everybody to Jesus. Get everybody inside this Bible here. That's the mission that we're on. And so this this, um, business is so big, number one, because of the partnership. We are actually not doing this in our strength alone, hallelujah know the power of God. Somebody wrote me last night a text and said, Brother Fox, what can I pray for you about? I said, pray for the power of God on me. I don't want to do this in my strength. I am insufficient. But ladies and gentlemen, he's altogether sufficient. Amen. Yes. Number one, because of the partnership involved. Number two, uh, this is big business. Number two, because we get to fellowship with God as we work. <laughs> oh yeah, we get to fellowship Fellowship with the Lord while we <laughs> work. Yes, uh, you know, there's a lot of bosses at, at different businesses and presidents of companies and so forth that they just keep everybody at a distance, you know. They, just uh, I, I just can't be friends with my employees. Uh, that's not the way it is with our Lord. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Get in the yoke with me. Let's do some business now. But I'm right there with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Friendship with Jesus. Fellowship divine. Oh, what blessed contemplation. Jesus is a friend of mine. (laughs) The creator and sustainer of the entire universe. He he loves each one of us. I was reading through my Bible. I try to read through the Bible every 38 or 39 days. And I was reading the book of Numbers, all those names. I thought, oh, all those names, all those names. And then God says, yes, I love each person. And I found out there's almost 3,000 people in the Bible by name. Did you know that? I began counting and looking and trying to find... 3,000 people by name... Eight billion people in the world by name. God knows all of them. And it's God's will for everybody in this world to be saved. Amen. And it's God's will for everybody in this world to be serving God. And that's the mission we're on. We're trying to grow this family of God that we are in. And while we're doing this work, we actually get to have fellowship with God. Number one, why is it big business? Because of the partnership involved. Number two, because we get to fellowship with the Lord while we're doing the work. Number three why is this big business number 3 because of the extensiveness of the operation the extensiveness of the operation god's business is big business because of the extensiveness of the operation well just just how big is this enterprise well it's worldwide <laughs> it's worldwide i went to um i flew to England on this one missionary trip I'm thinking of right now. I preached there in England in a few places, and then I, then I flew over to Hungary. I was there a little bit, and then I, then I flew over to uh, Romania. I was in Timisoara, Romania, at the very beginning, and, and then going out here and there across Romania. And I told that Romanian uh, missionary, I said, now, I want you to find us, I want you to find us a village where you don't have a ministry right now, in fact, where there is no gospel ministry. Find us a village like that. I said, let's set up a preaching point. That's what you try to do on a mission field. You try to establish preaching points. And so um, he found us a village. And so I preached a number of places there and uh, uh, throughout places where you already had established ministries. but we're trying to establish a brand new thing while I'm there. So I brought a jar of peanut butter from America for just this occasion. And so I said, Rusty, I said, we're going to use this jar of peanut butter and we're going to get some people together in this, <laughs> in this village. So we drive. We, we're going down these dirt roads. You think you ought to complain about American roads? Uh-uh. You need to be Romania. <laughs> anyway, we're going down these roads and a uh, little dirt path. And we finally get to this village. And there's these little shacks and little uh, places that they're living And in this little village of about 200 people, there's a trading post. There's a trading post. And I I wanted to see it. We went in this little trading post kind of thing. And you know what I found inside the trading post? Coca Cola. If you had some money, you could buy a Coca Cola. I don't know if they'd be worth drinking. They may have been dangerous by that. I don't know, but there there was Coca-Cola. Man, Coca-Cola is trying to get everybody in the world to know about their product and drink their product. Did you know that? Coca-Cola, I mean, they're they're trying, you know. It's an aristocrat stock. I don't invest in it now because they got involved with alcoholic beverage. I'm not gonna gonna invest in Coca-Cola. You may feel good about it. I don't now, but that's another story. Anyway. I don't think we ought to be investing in things that are sinful. There's some stocks I can never invest in because I call them sin stock. Anyway, so I get there. Man, man, here here it is. Woo! Wow. This trading post got Coca-Cola. By the way, they did have alcoholic beverage too. I thought, wow, they're really trying to reach the world. And I'm thinking the whole time, I'm like, man, Coca-Cola is here and there is no gospel, church, no missionary work in this little village. So anyway, I have my jar of Peter Pan peanut butter. Yeah, so I, I'm walking around with my interpreter and I got two or three other folk with me and we're telling everybody that um, we're going to have a gathering right over there and this is American peanut butter and you've got to just come and get a taste of this American peanut butter. And so we got, we got the village to come over there and so um, I've got all these plastic spoons. <laughs> and I'm talking through the interpreter to them. I've learned a few words in Romanian. I can say pace, I can say peace, and being a coventant, a blessing. And I can say a few words at this point. And, and, uh, and I said, I'm going to take the first bite. Mm-mm. And I passed the jar around, yeah. And brother, they ate all of the peanut butter. Not, I mean, they're licking it clean. They love the peanut butter. But while I was doing all that, getting them together and intriguing them with peanut butter, you know what it's all about? I spent the next hour preaching to them about Jesus Christ, that there is a God in heaven, and God has sent me here to this village to tell you about Him. And He's got a son named Jesus Christ. And I just began preaching through the Bible and just preaching a simple gospel message to them Do you think that needs to go on in little villages in Romania? In fact, it needs to go on everywhere. Everywhere in America and everywhere out of America. And there's people all over the world that have never had a clear presentation of Jesus Christ and the glorious gospel. And so, yes, the extensiveness of this uh, operation, it absolutely is worldwide. The tie that I've got on today, I got it. In New Zealand, I love New Zealand. Two main islands there. They're far from God. While I was there, I saw people saved. I saw someone in the unmentionable lifestyle get saved in, in New Zealand. I remember us breaking down in front. Our, our vehicle broke down in front of a, in front of a, um, a museum. I went inside the museum. Our vehicle broke down. They've called to get somebody to come repair the, the vehicle. And so I'm, I'm going inside the museum there in New Zealand. I'm just giving out gospel tracts to everybody. And the director of the museum came and said, Pardon? I could tell the way she said, Pardon? I need to listen. <laughs> Pardon? Yes, ma'am? She said, We do not allow that inside this museum. I said, Well, I'm an American. I didn't know that. I said, our vehicle broke down out here. They started trying to make a friend out of her. She's the curator, the director of the museum. I said, I'm a preacher actually from America. And I said, I try to do that kind of stuff everywhere I go, just giving out gospel tracts and telling people about the Bible. She said, "Um, when I was a little girl, a clairvoyant told me that I did not need a book. meaning the bible here's a lady very dignified very sophisticated 60 years old thereabouts who had never ever read the bible because a clairvoyant had told her that she didn't need a bible she didn't need a book so i sat down in her office with her i'm just talking with her i'm talking about i said i really like that there's no snakes in your country Did you know that? There's no snakes in the country of New Zealand. That's a point in their favor right there. Would you not agree? I said, I like that. I said, and I like all your manners. I like the way you talk. And I mean, she's telling me things about New Zealand. The car is still out there (laughs) broken down. I'm just talking, trying to make friends and all that. Finally, I said, you know something? I said, one sermon by Jesus Christ could completely change your life. She said, Okay. What one sermon is that? I said, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. She said, okay, tell me about the Sermon on the Mount. I said, oh, <laughs> uh uh-uh, I'm not going to tell you about it. She said, really? I said, no, no, I think we ought to get your computer going right there and let's look it up and let's read it from the Bible together. I want you to see it for yourself. I want you to read the words of Jesus Christ. Because, friends, there's power in that book right there. Amen. There's powers, power in the Word of Jesus. They came in and said, Brother Fox, the car's working. Come on. I had to leave. I don't know how much she read. But when I left, the last thing, I saw her. She's glued to that screen reading the words of Jesus Christ. I don't know. I, I don't know if anybody had ever really talked to her about Jesus very dignified. Uh, Look, I'm finding myself in all sorts of situations lately of people in regal positions, people just, and everybody needs to hear about Jesus Christ. Do you agree? Oh yeah. Uh, From from the homeless, I was down in Dallas. I gotta move on. But I I was down in Dallas. I went down there. I just came back from Texas. I said, oh, let's go over to the homeless area we went over there and had services with the homeless people. I said, you know what we ought to do? We ought to, we ought to get together a homeless choir and have them sing together. Every rung on the social ladder from the homeless to the most elite. Everybody needs to hear about Jesus Christ. And that's the work we're in. And the extensiveness of the operation, it's worldwide. It goes to every topography, every culture group, every people group. It's for everyone. Jesus died for all. Amen. Lastly, why do I say it's um, big work, God's work is big work? Because of the R-O-I. That's a little business acronym, R-O-I. Jesus said, Occupy till I come. Well, is there any return on investment? I mean, if I get into this work, is there any return on investment? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, my wife and I, and I appreciate you praying for my wife. She went to the hospital January 26th of this year on that Monday with COVID, very bad. I canceled meetings because my first ministry is my wife. I, um, I got her in the hospital. I went, went across the street to our doctor's office. I said to the receptionist, I said, I need to talk to Dr. Huffman right now. Renee's in the hospital with COVID. And the receptionist said, Brother Fox, you're a doctor. Dr. Huffman retired three days ago. I said, you're kidding. I said, I didn't know that. And I remembered to last October... October 21st, last year, at a God and country rally in Colonial Heights, Virginia, by the grace of God, I'd led a doctor to Christ. Her name was Sheila Fury, and and I said, "Um, I'll call Dr. Fury. I called her, I said, Doctor, I'm in trouble. I told her what was going on. Dr. Fury said, I'll take over, and she did take over. And she did a great job. When did, when did doctors quit making house calls? She said, I'll, I'll, once we get her out of the hospital, I'm coming to your house, we're going to, te- we're going to do this. When did doctors do that? Cell numbers, Zoom calls with my wife, checking on her every single day. Renee's about 85% well. She's in what's called long-haul covid she still has some struggles. Y'all have heard of COVID, right? Oh my, yeah. It is real bad for some people. My wife almost died. By the grace of God, you know, God engineers your life. He orchestrates. And it's just by the grace of God I led a doctor to Christ. i <laughs> talking about return on investment. She became the doctor for my wife. <laughs> wow. I got thinking as I was preparing for today, just thinking about, I wish I had time to just sit and talk to you about the bouncer that got saved. Can you you imagine the bouncer at a bar getting saved and now he's started two different churches, independent Baptist guy? (laughs) He was the bouncer at a bar. (laughs) That's what God can do. (laughs) The mixed martial arts champ that was a drug dealer that got born again, he's now an evangelist. What can God do? What kind of return on investment? What kind of business is this? It's life changing. Whole family changing. I was out in Iowa. There was a a husband and wife that fought every single day of their lives. Doesn't that get old? He'd go out and get drunk, come in and they'd fuss all night long and drag through life. She came to the revival meeting. She came to the altar and got saved. And when she got saved, she promised God, she said, I'd never want to fight with Joe again. She went home after the revival meeting. Joe came in drunk several hours later. She met him at the door and said, Joe, I, I made the bed. I've got it turned down for you. He's like, What are you up to? Because they both fought like cats and dogs. Finally, she said, Joe, I got saved tonight. And I promised God I'd never fight with you again. Well, he didn't believe her. He thought it was some kind of sneak attack. You know what I'm saying? Because she had been a manipulator is all there was to it. But day after day, his wife was a different lady. Yeah, Joe's finally gotten saved too. Yeah. Or the guy that burst into the church, He said, you've made my wife a religious fanatic. All she does is sit around the house and read the Bible. Yeah, he's gotten saved now too. And um, he's one of the best Sunday school teachers you've ever seen. I can just go on and on telling you folk that I've seen get born again here and there and here and there. It's just absolutely astounding. What God has done is God and country efforts that we're trying to do. I had 25 God and country rallies in the state of Virginia this year, and some pastor called me and said, well, you're not even an evangelist anymore. I said, really? He said, all you do is politics. Really? I said, let me tell you the four politicians I've led to Christ this year. He said, you're kidding. I said, no. These four received Christ this year. I said, let me tell you about the campaign managers that are now reading the Bible, that are putting their trust in Christ. No, no, it's not all politics with me. I think you ought to vote, and vote according to the Bible, all that. But we're trying to get people to Jesus. That's the mission. Everything we do here at Tabernacle, everything we do, Everything we do, every ministry we do, everything is harnessed to two things. What, what are those two things? The mission. What, what are the mission? Glorifying God and the furtherance of the gospel. Everything. And so now, I mean, this coloring book, it's all about getting some children, some families to God I spent forty-seven thousand dollars on the very first Bible stories for kids. We were trying to make sound effects. Uh, Connor you, uh, Mark Hale was out there we was out there in, in gravel trying to get you know, trying to make sound effects. Finally, I bought a sound effect library. I spent forty-seven thousand dollars, live orchestra with these underscores, all that kind of stuff. Forty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, and just the other day a mama down there in Mississippi called and said, Brother Fox, our child has received Christ. Listen to this and listen to Mr. Hightower give the gospel. He came into our room and said, I want to be saved. And we led our boy to Christ. Would everybody stand with me please? Look this way. We're on a mission I was on a national broadcast. Look this way, please. I was on a national broadcast. I don't want to tell you who and so forth right now. This pretty famous uh, fellow interviewing me said, um, "Well, Brother Fox, you guys really did it in Virginia." I said, "Well, we we worked at it." He said, "No, no, you really did it." I said, "Sort of, we did it." I said, "312 churches got involved." And yes, God gave us some victories. We now have a saved governor. Mr. Yunkin, I've talked to him over sixty times praying with him on the phone. Pretty astounding pretty astounding that uh, Tuesday a week ago, he contacted me because he the 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 state was upset with him because he had said that the government schools... They could not change the pronouns of the children without getting consent from the parents. And a bunch of people got upset about that. I told him he was on solid ground. Biblical uh, doctrine. Uh, The parental authority is a Bible doctrine. Stay the course, sir. All these politicians need a preacher. Do they not need some preachers who tell them the truth of the Bible? All year long this year and last year, I kept saying to these rallies, We've got to raise the level of righteousness. We've got to raise the level of righteousness. The other day, Mr. Youngkin said, We've got to raise the level of righteousness. I said, Oh, you've been listening. But it's not about trying to make North Carolina a better place to go to hell from. Scott Pauley, our good friend, You know, this year in April, we did a gospel crusade in Summersville, West Virginia. (laughs) Rented out the armory, seats at 3,000. We're having a great time. (laughs) In fact, I went over there to the post office and the postmaster said, Brother Fox, I I was at that crusade last night. I said, great. He said, and I was singing at the top of my lungs. I said, great. He said, I couldn't even hear myself. Yeah, it was pretty loud singing. Postmaster then said, "And I was singing just like Johnny Cash." <laughs> That's what he said. But he's telling everybody in that post office, "You got to go to this thing. You got to go to this crusade." Fire chief got saved that week. Scott Polly preaching the gospel. I'm just kind of moderating, getting music going, all that stuff that I do. Homes changed. It's big business that we're in, isn't it? We better stay with it. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.